Christine, and welcome to episode two of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. A big thank you to everyone who has already subscribed and rated the podcast. It means so much. Really, I so appreciate you taking the time and joining me on this adventure. But now, if you haven't done any of that yet, wherever you're listening, it would be very appreciated. It greatly helps a podcast, so thanks in advance for doing that. Originally, I planned to only release one episode a week, but with postponing and switching episodes around, I have so many exciting interviews prepped and ready to go. And then it hit me. This is my podcast, so I can do whatever I want. And what I want is to share these episodes without having to make you wait. So for the next few weeks, yeah, I'll be releasing, count them, two episodes per week. One on Tuesdays and one on Fridays. So get ready for some inspiring discussions. Now, I actually think this might be a good time to make something clear. This is not, and let me repeat myself, it is not a Christian-centric podcast. Even though I was raised Christian, and I sometimes claim that label, sometimes, depending on the day, you and I will be learning about and questioning religion, faith, and self-help advice from various beliefs from around the world, not any singular religion or faith. And that sentiment goes for everything else. I mean, y'all, I've interviewed straight people. (laughs) I know. And shockingly enough, those aren't boring episodes. (laughs) Truly, this is for misfits, and no misfit looks the same, and definitely no one looks like the misfit on today's episode. Miss Congeniality herself, and no, I'm not talking about Sandra Bullock, I'm talking about the real-life Miss Congeniality from season 11 of RuPaul's Drag Race. The amazing, the talented, and the joyful Andrew Levitt, aka Nina West. Andrew slash Nina is an activist, author, actor, singer, and drag queen superstar. And y'all, they are busy. Even during quarantine, they began an online series for kids and their parents called Storytime with Nina, where Andrew plays the character of you guessed it, Nina West, and reads stories, sings songs, and creates crafts all the while in drag. It is so frickin' wholesome. And get this, Nina just joined forces with the one and only Dolly Parton for the Kindness is Queen collection, with proceeds benefiting Dolly Parton's Imagination Library and the Nina West Foundation. I was elated to chat with them about all the activism work that they do and how others may get involved. How someone like them who is so joyous finds joy in difficult times and where they're at on their own spiritual journey. So buckle up, spiritual sluts, because we're about to go big and go west. (laughs) 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at betterhelp.com slash blessedgay to check it out and get what? 10% off. The best part is you don't even have to leave your house. They offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor, video calls, phone calls, real-time chat, and direct messaging. All counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board. In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessedgay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash blessgay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash blessedgay. Welcome to Have a Blessed Gay. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. What an honor. Thank you so much. I am so stoked to talk with you, and I just want to go ahead and get into it. Tell us who you are and what the hell you do. Yeah, so my name is Andrew Levitt or Nina West, and I, I'm a performer for a living. So I have the lucky uh, honor, I consider it an honor to be able to travel around the world and uh, get in drag and uh, you know, spread my message, <laughs> my, my message of love, kindness, positivity, um, and just an all general um, vibe of feeling good. You know, I think that's a really important role. Um, and I take it pretty seriously. So, um, that's basically what I do in my spare time. I'm an activist and I'm a organizer and I'm really involved heavily in charitable causes and have my own uh, foundation called the Nina West foundation, which is a 501 C three organization. And we basically give grants to LGBTQIA organizations that encourages our advancement, which is really important to me. It's so wonderful to know that <laughs> you were nice on TV, but you're actually nice in real life. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it is. It's so wonderful. Thanks. I was uh, in researching you because I, I knew of the Nina West Fund, but I, I didn't know of it until I saw you on Drag Race. And I had just kind of assumed that that happened after Drag Race. But you started that before Drag Race um, yeah. in 2015, which I thought was just um, really incredible. And it, it it made me think, OK, well, then this person is actually legit. They're they're a, a, a genuinely good person. And you are with the organization. You've raised over two million dollars for local and national charities, which is incredible. Congratulations. Thank you so much. What inspired you at the time to create the Nina West Foundation? So the Nina West Foundation came from, I think, the need to legitimize my giving. I had I've been doing drag since 2001 
and I had some form or component of ch- of a charitable ask uh, at every one of my shows since 2003. So what we would do is we would do a closing number. We would ask people to give money. Some people would bring their checkbooks to write a check. Other people just give dollars, fives or tens or twenties to the cause. But we would just essentially send these or- these organization directors on their way with a trash bag full of money. So from like 2003 until 2000. 15 when I started the Nina West one. I mean, it was just like, it was like the, it was like a literal legitimate wild west of here's money. Okay. Go do good. (laughs) Um, that was not at all. It really was becoming, um, problematic and that people, you know, I really wanted people to understand how powerful, uh, this drag community was in Columbus, Ohio and how it really stood by its, community in both action and intention. And I think that's um, where the inception of the Nina West Foundation came from in 2015. So like all in all, when all is said and done, we've raised well over $3 million from over these last several many years um, since 2001. But the foundation has really, again, legitimized it to allow um, people to give all over the world. And make a tax deductible donation and, and like, you know, feel good about their gift knowing that it's going to, um, an LGBTQIA organization. I think that's, you know, and that's what it needed, you know, and also needed to be legitimized so that, um, people can make corporate gifts and, and, and matching dollars, which is also important, you know, and it helps us make grants every year to organizations that desperately need it. Like, like, uh, I mean, there's, I mean, I could go on and name so many of them, but there's so many LGBTQA organizations that just need our help, like Black AIDS Institute, the uh, Marsh B. Johnson Institute. The I mean, there's just so many that just need our help right now, you know, so. Since the establishment of it, are there any specific memories that stand out in your in your mind, something that you are especially proud of? You know, there was a fa- there was a time period where I really wanted to partner with an organization and um, send an LGBTQ family to Disney. I really love Disney. Disney is like my favorite thing in the world. Uh, really, I didn't know. I know, right? But <laughs> <laughs> so this is like in twenty, I think twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Um, I got this 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 hair in my like, or this like I get this like thorn in my craw or whatever the thing. I got a hair in my and whatever you focused. had a hair somewhere and hair someplace like really focused on wanting to do this and so i partnered i partnered with two different organizations uh the ronald mcdonald house and then we also partnered with the make-a-wish foundation and so we were able to through the generosity of columbus donors we were able to give uh one family a disney dream vacation on a disney cruise line for a week um with a very sick child and that was their wish. And then we were able to give another family from the Netherlands whose son was seeking treatment in Columbus. We were able to send their entire family to Walt Disney World for a week. Um, and it did have direct impact on both of the child, the children's lives and how um, they were coping and healing, which is incredible and really powerful. That sounds really special, especially because you were able to combine so many of your loves uh, doing charitable work, Disney and drag all in one thing. Yeah. Uh, Not many people are able to combine so many things that they, they have a passion for. So that's so neat that you're able to do that. That's the the intersection of uh, every aspect of my life is so awesome and so powerful, you know, like to be able to, I think 
speak to a need and then pull in uh, the different things and the loves of my life, you know, and the best way for anyone listening to like, I don't really know how to, I really want to get involved. And now is such a really great time to get involved, especially because of the black lives matter movement. Um, like this is what a great, what a great time to figure out how to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, they're like, well, what do I do? I don't have money to give. So, what, you know, I'm useless. I can't do anything. And actually there's like, there are three like tenants, the three big, I think pillars of, of doing work and advocacy and charity and, um, and especially in, in areas of social justice, but really any charity, it's like, you know, time, talent, and treasure. So if you don't have treasure, you can use your time and you can go volunteer, you know, or you can phone bank or you can, um, you can, uh, do uh, emails for an organization or you can use your talent. And that's, you know, initially that's where I really started. I was like, well, I don't have any money. So how can I give to these organizations, organizations that I really care about? And so I, I would raise money at the end of a drag show because I ha- I was going to be doing drag anyway. So why not, again, combine my love of activism and my performance? And you're right. I mean, there was, there's this intersectionality that's kind of existed in my career that has been, been able to allow me to do that. I'm, I'm curious with all the stuff that you do, all the goodness you put out, all the all the charity work, every bit of your creative that you release out into the world. To me, that goodness is very special and something some people might call spiritual. And I'm curious what you call it. Do you do you find some of your creative work or your personal work spiritual or what word do you use for that? Wow, that's a really, really great question. I'm in the middle of a spiritual journey, I should say. Um, I, I I turned my back on faith, uh, especially um, after my experience in college, I really turned my back on faith. And um, I had a really hard time coming to terms with the, the, the idea of a higher power. Um, or, or, or spirituality, um, you know, if goodness, you know, it's that, it's that question that you know, somebody, if goodness existed, if, 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 uh, if a God or goddess, um, or whatever deity you believe existed, why would all these bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. And so that's been a journey for me. And I find strength in knowing that there is this idea that, that, that in the universe we are really all connected. Um, and I do believe that there's power in my spirit. Uh, and I do believe that my goodness is otherworldly. I'm just not sure where it comes from yet. I'm on that journey now. And so I think that that's, and that's powerful for me to even have a conversation about because, you know, I wasn't here even two years ago. You know, like I, this has been a, a process of, trying to grow into, I think, the perfect version of myself. And the best part about acknowledging that is also I'm never really going to be that perfect version of myself, but I'm going to continue to work at it. And, and there's a, there is, I think, a, a room for, sp- for a spiritual um, belief. I just, I think I'm on that. I'm in the, I'm in a really interesting phase of my life where I'm not sure what I think, but I believe right now. And that's also exciting and challenging. And I, <laughs> I am, I like to think of myself as somebody who is not, I'm not put out by a challenge. 
So those are more exciting for me. You know, I think that it's exciting for me to be in this phase because I didn't, I thought I had given up on this. You know what I mean? I thought I, I thought I had, oh, right. This, I don't, this is what I think about uh, faith. This is what I think about religion. This is, I'm done with it. Right. You know, I've I've moved past it. So I'm focus focus on this other stuff. Do this, do this, do this. And now I'm finding myself in this, a different spiritual awakening and it's allowing me to do better work. And if I decide that I still, if I still don't believe, at least I'm coming at it with a, a different perspective and an ability to have compassion towards um, myself, my situation and other people who have a, a tremendous system of belief that I, um, that I don't, you know what I mean? And allowing, allowing that to exist and make sense to me, <laughs> you know, like, I think that's, that, that's part of it. I have to make sense of it for myself. I think that's a powerful way to look at it. Something that I have thought for a long time about spirituality and especially through the work of this podcast, hearing different stories. I think it's really important to remember that just like you were saying about self, that we're always changing and, and becoming a better version of ourselves. We're still doing that with spirituality. We don't have answers and we never will really have exact answers. But as long as we're growing and we're open to talking and educating ourselves and, and trying to explore like you're doing, then that's all you can do. I mean, there is this beautiful idea. I mean, the, what, the life that you and I live, the life that we all have on this planet is really unique. I would find it hard to believe that we're all here by chance. I believe in myself. And, you know, um, I see people who struggle every day to even find the ability to believe in themselves. Like, what a, what a divine power that is. And, I, and when I, they say that, I'm like, divine, right. Belief. Well, that makes sense. Right. Okay. Like, it's not, I, I don't live in a world, none of us live in a world of black and white. It's gray. You know, this is, everything is gray. And I think we're on, we're here together for a very short period of time. Truly, the time that we are all on this planet is so small <laughs> to the history of this world in this universe and I need to make the best of it and you need to make the best of it. And, and and your neighbor, whoever, the person walking across the street from you that you will never see ever again. But in that moment of them walking across the street from you, they need, they need to make the best of their moment in this lifetime. While we all coexist, everyone's way of seeing the world is different. And I'm open in my time of being here, open to seeing how people see the world. It's my, my perspective is not the, is not the right one because <laughs> it's not the only one. Mm-hmm. God forbid I'd be closed off to a lifetime and a world of experiences because I'm too busy <laughs> with mind, minding myself. You know, like, I've got, like there's a whole life to live. And that's like a, hopefully and that's something that listeners will hear is like, there's a whole life to live. You know, and it's tough during this COVID time, but my gosh, like if you're able to see how beautiful this world really is, you can make impactful, powerful change. Yeah, I don't know if what words I use for different things necessarily or what religion, if any, that I necessarily attach myself to all the time. But if we are all part of something, which I tend to believe, then the act of believing in myself, I am then believing in whatever that is. Yeah. 
And I think that that's, yeah, I think that that's really, really powerful. Um, I really want to learn more about you, Andrew, but as a kid, uh, way before Nina West emerged, when you were just a (laughs) tiny little tot growing up in Greentown, Ohio, what was your childhood like? Were you raised in a religious or a spiritual household? So it's interesting. I was raised, I have two older sisters. I'm the youngest of three. Um, my father is Presbyterian. My mother is Episcopalian and I was, I was a baptized Methodist, which these are all very different forms, basically of, of, they're all Protestant religions. Um, and so, uh, there's just variation on how, uh, how worship happened. And so I then went to parochial and high school (laughs) at a Catholic school. Wow. Um, um, yeah, I grew up in a, I mean, I wouldn't say very religious household. I'm a conservative household. Yes. But I would say, a, a culturally conservative religious, religious, uh, I don't really think there, it wasn't based in that, you know, it was yeah. a, almost an exercise rather than, um, rather than an act of, I think, you know, I don't know. That's how it felt to me. When you go to church on Sunday, we went to church on Sunday. And, you know, I, that's that's kind of how it felt. So, I mean, yeah. So we were just waspy, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that church then, since you got involved in performing, is that where you got involved within theater and that world? I think my first bite of doing theater was actually like a church nativity and that trans i mean that translated to like just me being obsessed with other things i started to find out about you know other other ways to perform but then again you know in our household music was really important so like you know we would listen to handel's messiah during the holidays but then we'd also listen to my dad was is just a is such a fan of music so it was between queen and um abba and musicals you know so that like there was always musicals playing in the house so it was again these all was just again intersecting and so it provided this kind of base for whatever this is before me now like this creation of nina west or me you know it's just it all has influence in the nativity scene please tell me that you played mary (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine no i was i wish I was a not-so-wise man. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Well, on Drag Race, you have a very sweet, tender, and vulnerable moment where you mention your coming-out experience during college and what a dark time that was for you. Would you... Just talk a little bit about that experience and and what pushed you to eventually come out. Yeah. So I remember in high school um, being asked by my mom and dad if I was gay and I would say no. And then they would take, you know, there was a period of time where I went to a therapist who I think his intention was to it was it was. I guess light conversion therapy. Yeah, that obviously didn't work. <laughs> and it was like, no. <laughs> um, so I made the decision when I went to college, my freshman year, August orientation, before really classes started and everyone was back, you know, like upperclassmen were all back, sophomores, juniors, seniors. I just made the decision that I was just going to be out. It wasn't like you really have to broadcast that I was gay, but people asked me, I was going to just be, yeah, I'm gay. And um, 
you know, I joined the LGBTQ student organization at my university. It just really was out. The first year that October was national, it was like, you know, national coming out day. Um, and we were doing chalkings on the quad. And um, I remember having my back turned and I got separated from the rest of the, the, the organization was Outlook. Um, I got spit on on the quad. And so that was my first kind of interaction with, okay, well, this campus is a small little liberal arts college. Now I began to find out quickly that there weren't very many out gay people at my school. So it was like, okay. So that was like kind of incident number one. And then uh, the following October, Matthew Shepard was murdered October 98. That was during the time period where I was running for student government and people took it upon themselves. To, and I was openly gay and out and my parents didn't know that I was gay. Like I was living a very a kind of a dual existence. I just had, wasn't out to my parents. And um, so I had my life threatened and uh, people broke into this you know, dorm room and the, the the dorm building oh, to my where my room was. I was a resident assistant at the time, um, and they broke into the building and they were trying to, I think, scare me, get to me. But they were also threatening my life. I mean, I don't know what would have happened had I not uh, gone into uh, one of my residents' rooms and hid before uh, campus security got there. Um, but it just changed me. It it made it changed my intrinsic makeup. That that experience specifically just really harmed me, I think, mentally. It really changed me. Um, but that experience caused me to have to come out to my parents because it was time for the judicial hearing on campus. And the university at that time had convinced me not to go public and press charges through uh, the police through this and the Granville police department. So I or, or, or involve authorities outside of the university anyway. So we had a judicial hearing on campus and a campus governance hearing. Wow. Um, and I was, you know, and this is because I didn't involve my parents and up until this point, because I was still closeted and this is right after Matthew Shepard. I was terrified. I was scared. Um, I didn't know what to do. And I was young, you know, a 41 year old Andrew would have told that Andrew to, to involve the police, to, um, you know, to seek charges against this person that was bigger than just the judicial hearing on campus. That's my biggest regret, I think, in life. Only because I didn't, I just listened to the university. The university didn't want a controversy. They didn't want to have this on their record, that they were uh, not an accepting environment. And they already had uh, their own issues dealing with race on campus that were that were notorious. And so they, the last thing they needed were the fact that uh, queer kids were uh, being um, assaulted or attacked on their campus, you know, and uh, not to mention international students, right? I mean, there's just, uh, the, the I was just silenced and I wish I would have recognized that. And so the night before I called my mom and dad and I was like, this is happening and I need you to know this is happening and I need you to know that I'm gay. And the next morning, my parents were there on campus and were there to support me. And it sounds, that's not, the, I mean, that is the short term, there was the short term fix for a long term problem. I mean, like we have, we still have conversations to this day where it requires me to educate my mom and dad about what it means to be gay and queer and to be an LGBTQ person. And 
but they were in my in one of the serious moments of my life in need. They were there and they put aside whatever their misunderstandings were, especially at that time in 1998, 99, to come to terms and be there for their son. You know, that's to me, that was important. And um, they did it. Did you did you stay at the university after that situation? Yeah. Shockingly, I did. Yeah. Wow. That's my son. I stayed and I finished two more years there and I, I, I threw myself into things and like I did, I did unhealthy behavior of throwing myself into other things to I think cope and deal. You know, I wasn't, I didn't go to therapy at the time. I didn't deal with it the way I needed to deal with it. Um, and I didn't process it the way I needed to process it. So I was throwing myself into school, uh, campus government and, um, being president of the, of the LGBT organization and doing lots of theater and just being too busy to be able to function to stop and think, you know, that's what I did. How then did you get involved in drag? Cause that would have been around that time in your life, right? That you got involved in drag. That's a great question. <laughs> I was this, I was the president of the LGBTQ organization at Denison, my university in my senior year. Well, every year before, even before I was there, they were bringing drag shows to campus. In my senior year, my friend Justin and I decided we were going to do it. And that's the first time I got in drag. So (laughs) that's that's how it happened. Well, I wonder, uh, just because of what you did in in college, did you do something similar with drag and and kind of throw yourself into it? (laughs) Yes, I did. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, now now you're my therapist. (laughs) Okay, yeah, lay back. (laughs) I I did, though, yeah. Drag definitely was the thing that... Gave me purpose and meaning when it, otherwise I couldn't find it. Well, I know that you have taken that and you have given that to so many people, that joy, that love. Thank and you. yeah, and in, in the world that we live in right now, <laughs> where we continue to see marginalized communities under attack, the LGBTQ plus community is constantly in a battle to gain rights. And then after we have them, we're in battle again to keep them and trans people are being targeted and murdered specifically black trans women black people and other marginalized communities are being told you know that they are lesser than that police have the right to murder them if they want to with no cause and i want to know from you who have so much joy (laughs) how how do we stay true to ourselves when we are terrified how do we find hope and and happiness in times like this how do you find joy and how would you advise someone to find theirs i first am honest with myself about the things that do give me joy and i create space for that but really trying to be intentional with myself and with my time to allow myself to experience what joy is I make time for myself. I make time for other people who provide that joy for me. I also I also receive a lot of joy by doing the work. And I know for me, that is the truth. I, I have conditioned myself to I'm a workhorse. I want to work. I want to be I want to do something. I don't know if that's in my DNA or if that's something I cultivate along the way. But if there's a problem, I want to fix it. And I get joy from fixing it. And I get joy from being a part of a team. That is working towards a goal. And I think that is a common human experience. So if people are really feeling isolated and lost and don't feel like they have any worth or value, it goes back to something I said earlier. You should 
find something that brings you some kind of joy and sense of, I think, worth. We, I, I, my fa- my drag family has given me a, a place to belong, right? You know, I've being queer. I have a beautiful um, blood family, my bo- my born family, but I also have this really beautiful, incredible, fantastic, and ever changing tribe of beautiful chosen family and these people that I have that have allowed me to be myself, allowed me to make my mistakes, allowed me to (laughs) be uh, flawed and perfectly imperfect. And, you know, I think that's the first thing you do. And for the listener who's like, oh, I don't have anybody. I don't, I feel alone. You got like, then you find something that means something to you and you go out and you, and you do, you do something with your time. Volunteer. This Black Lives Matter moment is a movement. It's not just a moment. And this should be calling all of us to action in some way or another. You know, if you are, if, you know, if you need to do something with your time and you're just, and you're, say you're nervous about COVID, then, okay, get on your computer. Uh, join some groups that need uh, support in some way, whether it be like creating flyers or sending out email. I mean, just doing something. And then in that, in those moments, you're, you're interacting with people who might have like interests as you, and then you can kind of cultivate and find your chosen family. You know, I mean, there's just, it does happen organically, but what doesn't happen organically is you taking out time for yourself. You've got to do it. Like you don't just kind of go, Oh, at one point I'll do that. No, you've got to like, you've got to make the time to say to yourself, I matter. And if that's a physical act of looking in the mirror and saying, I matter to yourself, start there. And I always think also like a dance party <laughs> by myself sometimes with my dogs. Does Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, I mean, I mean, but I do tap into the things that do bring me joy. You know, I do watch them. I watch movies that I love. I read books that I've re- read a million times because I love them and they bring me joy. I share my story. That brings me joy. Hopefully someone hears it and says, God, I don't want to, you know, like I, how do I learn from this? What are the things I can learn from this? And, and it's also cathartic for me to talk it through again and then approach it. Maybe every time I talk about some part of my story, it's like, well, wait, like, you know, how do I really feel about this? And then I'm done. I end up with another bit or piece of myself. So and if you don't have anyone to share your story with at the moment, write it down, write it down, reread it, rewrite it, revisit yourself, real, like realign and allow yourself to be, exposed to your emotion that's the other thing like we always do to ourselves i don't know if it's through conditioning or through society we just we we, i think we cut off our emotional reaction or response to what we're at whatever we're experiencing i'm not allowed i can't i'm not allowed i shouldn't be i I shouldn't feel this way i shouldn't have but here's the thing like it was especially with like within this time period that we find ourselves like having those honest conversations with yourselves also we're going to be painful but at the end of it i promise you there will be joy you know like talking to yourself about uh, systemic racism or and how you have a part in it is not pleasant but it has to happen and i guarantee you when you practice you know like a constant allyship whether that be to the lgbtq plus community or to the the to the black community and to the brown community when you practice allyship daily being a good ally and you work on it every day you're going to feel better about yourself you know i mean 
the, the, these are works in progress. That uh, It doesn't happen overnight. You're a work in progress. You don't happen overnight. Yeah, we're always we're always growing. We're always evolving. I recently uh, kind of realized uh, something that I had struggled with that I hadn't exactly like put a label on yet, but I also love working. I love being productive. That is something that I just get such an energy and emotional boost from. And for a long time, I felt like if I stopped working, if I sat down to watch that TV show that I really like or read that book or write whatever that was more for pleasure than for something else, then I would lose my productive time. And that is something that I love so much. But in doing that (laughs) and not giving myself time, I wasn't allowing myself to be as productive as I could be. And I have now found enjoyment of just sitting, which is new for me, but I am enjoying it. Just like sitting and watching something or playing a game. And yeah, I think we need to learn how to take time for ourselves, even if it's not quote unquote productive. Well, that's, I think that's the big, um, that's the big misnomer that we're sold by. I think this, this kind of this global culture of produce, 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 output, output, output is that um, at some point your well is going to like run out of water if you don't refill it, if you don't recharge it, if you don't stop and reassess. Where can people find you, keep listening to you? You have an awesome podcast called Dragcast and just see and hear all the other wonderful, amazing work that you do. You're the sweetest. Thank you. Um, um, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram, I think is my most active account. I'm on Instagram at Nina West. I'm on Twitter at Nina West. <laughs> my Facebook is, you guessed it, Nina West. <laughs> so your name is Nina West, right? Don't That's the tell drag name. Anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then my website is ninawest.com. I, the podcast is available on the website. You can find out more information about the Nina West Foundation on my website, or you can find there's a whole list of organizations. Uh, that will be on my website also that I think are of incredible value and worth to the LGBTQ community, especially during this month of pride and especially during this movement of Black Lives Matter. Um, So yeah, find me and let's engage. Well, thank you for being on here. Thank you for sharing and thank you for just spreading your joy that you do. You do amazing work and I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you. Thank you for spreading your joy and your light and sharing it with the rest of us. It's truly remarkable. Thank you. You know, there was actually something really fascinating that I picked up on after listening to this interview, and that was the concept of religion. Well, let me explain. Nina West has her organization, the Nina West Foundation, right? They gather like-minded people together people who have common interests and enjoy celebrating as a community. At the end of those celebrations, they ask for money to give back to the world. Doesn't that sound like something else? Like communion? They're literally passing around an offering tray. And that's a great example of how religion and community can and do exist outside of church walls. 
We're really early in our journey, and I'll talk a lot more about this as we go along, but I hope you can already understand the difference between religion and spirituality. Religion is people. It's community. Spirituality, on the other hand, is a personal relationship with a higher power. And the fun fact is, you can have one without the other. But yeah, Guinevere, we'll chat more about this later, okay? Right now, I want to talk about the other valuable things from this discussion, because there are so many. So just like we need to do with the patriarchy, let's break it down. Here are my main takeaways. Number one, there are a lot of ways to get involved in activism. Think about the three T's, treasure, time, and Tyler. <laughs> no, I mean talent, okay. Number two. We are always evolving, outside and inside, and that is also true for spirituality. Continue to question, learn, and grow spiritually, but know that you will never have definite answers. Sure, that is absolutely terrifying and can cause crippling anxiety, but there's also something really special about that too. Number three, to believe in ourselves is to believe in something greater, even if that something greater is nature. Number four, in that same way, to believe in others is to believe in something greater. Surely we weren't put on this earth to be against each other. How can we, as humans, believe in and uplift one another? It reminds me of the wise, riveting words of the masterpiece classic, High School Musical. We're all in this together. Number five, you've got a whole life to live. Your time is special. Find something that brings you joy then use that valuable time to cultivate joy. And don't forget to spread it around. I'm really excited to continue exploring spirituality, what it can look and feel like for different people. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you think and if there are any specific topics you would like to hear discussed. I'd love to hear from you. Also, please follow the podcast, subscribe, comment, leave a review. It's very helpful and your support is very appreciated. I have posted links in the show notes for Nina West and all the amazing stuff that they're doing, so check them out. And if you can, support the Nina West Foundation. Now, because this content is heavy at times, you might not be able to laugh it off. And if you are struggling and having a hard time, I will always post helplines in the show notes. So please reach out if you need to. Just remember, you are special. You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed gay, y'all.